0: Welcome to this week's episode of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to recover from eating a Carolina Reaper. Ooh, spicy! This week we'll be talking about games we've played recently, including 18xx Games, Seasons, and Awesome Kingdom. We discuss an accessory that will help you stay cool when playing hot games, and we discuss a few hot games that we like. We'll then talk about the etymology of the word "shelfie." And we have an exciting announcement about a contest that we're holding. And now, here are your hosts. Ambi, Cassidy. And me, Crystal. All right, Ambie, I want to hear about what you've been playing recently because it is something that greatly interests me that I have zero knowledge about.
1: All right, so recently I've really been getting into 18xx games. So these are economic games where you buy shares of railroad companies and whoever has the most shares becomes the president of this company and operates it. But you're trying to get the most value of your own private money, which isn't necessarily the company's money because you can also sell your shares and you no longer own the company. Um, But then when you're operating the company, you build routes for the trains and you let them, uh, you have them run through cities and get money and they can pay out dividends to the shareholders or they can, keep the money and then their stock goes down so when they pay out dividends their stock goes up and you're trying to like get your stock up and whatever stocks you have you want like a good stock portfolio and you want a bunch of money so it's the rules aren't too complicated the each 18 xx game has like different rules uh the most famous one is 1830 and that one has a lot of Rules on the stocks, and you can like screw people over by selling stocks and then in a bad company, and then like someone else becomes the president and they have like a company that is bankrupt basically. But then there's other games, like I've played 1889, which is a more beginner version, and then 1860 is a completely different type of game that's based more on the routes. And like you want to get a really good route for your company, and then you build up your company and it will give you a lot of money. Yeah, so in 18xx games, like the basic idea of the rules isn't too complicated, but then the decisions are where the complexity comes in. And the games can take a long time. Actually, I I play pretty quickly. My group plays pretty quickly, so we've been playing them in like three hours, three or four hours. But normally they they can take like five or more hours for a game. Uh, But the cool thing about 18xx games is that a lot of them have no luck in, in them at all. So you can make, if you make exactly the same decisions in the, each game, it, you'll play out the same game. But like people never do that because you wouldn't be able to remember what you did. But yeah, it's really fun. If, if you like stock manipulation and like, I guess, route building, I like the route building part too, then you might want to check it out. Okay,
0: so I tend to shy away from economic games for uh-huh. the most part and this is, I know, not even close to comparable, probably, but, like, I really, really love Stockpile that came out mm-hmm. last summer, which is about as light as stock manipulation games go. If I like something like Stockpile, and I'm okay playing some heavier games, how, like, how do you think... So I, it sounds like you said 1889 is the easiest of the 18xx games to get into.
1: Um, So there are a couple ones. 1889 is the one that I've been playing that's easier. Uh there's also 1846, I think. I haven't played that yet, but I think that's it actually was just reprinted. A lot of 18xx games are out of print so they're hard to get or you have to print and play them. So 1889 you have to print and play. And my friend did that, so we've been using his copy. And so it's it's easier to get into because it's a smaller map so it's a shorter game. And the rules aren't super complicated. So in eighteen sixty the rules are more complicated than um eighteen eighty nine or eighteen thirty. Okay. Yeah. But then so in stockpile, like you don't really get to choose which stocks you're buying, right? You get like whatever is shown in the you bid on which which pile, but like the piles you don't really choose. So like right. in eighteen XX you you choose specifically which stocks you're buying. So it's like, I'm going to buy this stock, and whoever buys it first sets the price of the stock. So it's, it's a lot more deliberate stock buying. Okay. Cool. So I didn't
2: play anything nearly as advanced or complicated as that. Recently I played Seasons, which is uh, one that I really enjoy playing, and I like it because it's very Magic the Gathering-esque in the sense that you're drafting in the beginning of the game before the game even really begins. The cards that you draft are going to be used to play through three years of the game. Each year is going to be four seasons, you know, like real life, because <laughs> seasons. Um, <laughs> so as you're playing through your years, you're gaining crystals by playing cards or by other people playing cards. And you're going to use those cards at the end of the game, which also will give you victory points. Your cards can help assist you in and getting the resources you need to build more cards but they can also be used to uh, against your enemies to take things from them including crystals and resources for you to be able to use your cards so everybody's sort of drafting in the beginning playing cards taking turns Um, my favorite part of the game though is that you're rolling dice at the beginning of each turn to see or at the beginning of each round to see who will be um, or to see what sorts of resources you'll be getting and, and how many places you'll go up f- towards the next season. So um, it's really interesting because it, it involves the drafting aspect that I really like in Magic the Gathering, but also the randomness of the die rolls each round. So it's it's interesting. I really enjoy it.
0: I've never played Seasons. Those dice look really cool. They're big and chunky, and they have neat symbols on them, right?
2: yeah so they're big and chunky and there's five different die for each season so they're color coded depending on the season and you get resources based off of which season you're in so in winter you're not going to be able to get any of the like green Mm -hmm. the grass resource because you're it's winter so you sort of have to play to that too in knowing which resources you're going to need for your cards
0: i it's funny, I actually kind of get frustrated when people play this game near me, only because they say the word crystals a lot, <laughs> and if and if I'm in playing another game and I'm not really paying attention, I'll hear my name and I'll be like, what? Oh, nope, never mind. Like, <laughs> literally on Thursday, a group was playing this game at a table next to my, the table I was playing at, and I, no less than six times, was like, huh? Okay,
1: never <laughs> mind. That
0: sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> That's ah, all right. I like my name. I'll, I'll suffer through. So while Seasons was being played at a table near me, but not by you, because you're across the country, uh, I got suckered in to a game that I truthfully was not super keen on. But the the guy who brought it was very enthusiastic. And so I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's try it. And that was Awesome Kingdom. I have a theory regarding the name of this game, which I will get to in a little bit. In Awesome Kingdom, it's a light dungeon-crawling game where uh, all of the players, uh, it's by IDW Games, it was released last year, 2015, uh, plays with up to, I believe, four players. Uh, everyone is a explorer in a dungeon, you get to choose one of eight characters that all have mildly amusing names, such as Paladude, <laughs> and each character has their own unique ability, Some of them are more helpful than others. The dungeon is made out of a circle of small tiles and the number uh, changes based on the number of players. And all of those tiles will have either a hero or a card in front of it. And those can make up the spaces of these dungeons. And on your, uh, well, those cards in that are making up the dungeon consist of monsters, treasures, traps, and magic items. The game place takes place over three days, and each day has three rounds. During each round, players play an action card to move their hero around the circle of dungeon cards in, and uh, ch- trying to claim some of them, especially the good ones, not the bad ones, obviously. All the cards have a point value, either positive or negative. Some of them have abilities that your character can use. You can gain wounds, which are negative points, and coins, which are positive points, but the coins are easier to steal than like the items, for instance, and whoever has the most points at the end of the third day wins. It is heavily luck dependent. You each round or each day are given three action cards and you have to play all three of them. And the variations on the action cards aren't that big. Like it'll say move four spaces to the left or move one space to the left or the right. So there's sometimes some decisions to be made, but like, If you do what's good for you in rounds one and two, in that third round, you only have one card to play, so you don't have any options there, which I imagine is to force you to potentially do bad things, but if people get lucky, then if they claim good stuff all three times, like it's it's pretty easy to have a runaway winner, I would imagine, in this game based on luck. I actually ended up winning the game because of a card that I picked up that gave me the ability at the end of the game for every character who had more points than me that was above me. I gained three extra points (laughs) and the final scores before that card came into play were I had 19, someone had 20 and someone had 23. So I gained six points as a result of that card and one, and it felt really cheap. Um, <laughs> this, as, as far as light games go, like dungeon crawling games, this isn't bad. But if I want to play a light dungeon crawling game, there are other games that I would rather go to, like Welcome to the Dungeon, for instance, or even Rumble in the Dungeon, which are both also light, both with a dungeon crawling theme, but just more enjoyable overall for me. So getting back to that theory I was mentioning earlier, I, I'm a marketing copywriter by day. And I always operate off of the, <laughs> the theory that if you have to say something, it is often <laughs> not true. So when I heard the name of this game was Awesome Kingdom, I was like, well, let's see how awesome it actually is. And while it is not Horrible Kingdom by any means, I would say that a more accurate game for, name for this game would probably be Mediocre Kingdom. <laughs> like, it's, it's quick, It's enjoyable. It would be easy to teach to kids. Like if you wanted a dungeon crawling game that was good for people who don't game often or younger kids, this I think would work well. So and it's cheap. I think you can get it on Amazon for 15 or 20 bucks. I'm not sure what MSRP is, but for that price, it's really not bad. I was not a huge fan, but it really it's not a bad game. It's just simple and there's a lot of randomness and luck in it. So if you like stuff like that, check out Awesome Kingdom. So when things are heating up in your game day or it's hot outside, an easy way to cool off is with a beverage. So we're going to, for our Accessory of the Week segment, talk about things that help you enjoy that beverage a little more easily or a little more safely while
1: gaming. So I don't actually have anything to protect my games from beverages. So I normally dun, just- dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, I normally just have... The cup's on a coaster to protect the table and um, set it off to the side further away from the games.
0: (laughs) I mentioned in one of our recent episodes that my gaming table has built in cup holders, but they're not very deep. They're fairly shallow. So Mm -hmm. we've actually, we've had a few spills on my (sighs) poker table, which... Luckily, the poker table cleans up well, and we've been able to, like, frantically grab game components away. I don't think I've had any games permanently damaged by liquid, so that's good. But I might want to look into investing into cups with lids, especially for those of my friends who drink, uh, imbibe a little more than they should at times (laughs) during a rather raucous game night. Because I think, like, most of my friends are pretty... Every, well, all of them are very courteous and nice, but occasionally when alcohol comes into play, I think, you know, the klutziness factor goes up a little bit.
2: Uh, I can definitely attest to that one since we play pretty regularly at bars or even at home. We always tend to overdo it with drinks, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've I've seen a few games be pretty destroyed because of beer spillage. So, yeah, but we play publicly, so it's kind of hard to uh, bring in your own cup with a lid. And even at home, I really just use a... uh, We do coasters because everybody has to have their pint glasses for their beer because nobody can drink beer out of their bottles anymore. Apparently, that's not okay.
1: But Also, pint glasses are more sturdy, I think, than bottles. So, like, it would be harder to knock it down. So it's better to drink out of a pint glass than a bottle.
0: That's that's an interesting point, though. It's harder to tip, but if it does tip, I think the damage it's is... easier to spill. Yeah, like, because if a bottle gets knocked over, you can kind of sometimes grab it quick enough that almost nothing comes out. But with the pint glass, man, whoosh, over. <laughs> Literally, game over.
1: In so many ways. So we need to make a pint glass bottle.
0: <laughs> a way to drink beer that's both... Pleasing to the mouth and also <laughs> protective of your game components.
2: So not with a lid and a straw. <laughs>
0: yeah. We'll have to uh, we'll have to get into product development to Ooh, work on the perfect. Sippy cups.
2: Those are things I'm buying now. Sippy cups. <laughs>
0: Alright. Here's sippy cups. I I do know that those exist for wine. Like if you look on Amazon, they it's like a tumbler with like a wine glass shape inside of it, but it has a lid with like a little mm-hmm. opening.
2: Yeah, I've seen that.
0: I mean, it's not the classiest, but hey, spilling wine on stuff can be like detrimental, so I think it's worth it. So, we're, our theme this week is hot, and we could take that in a few different directions. I There are a few games that I think fit in with that theme for a number of different reasons. One that I own that I like quite a bit is Flashpoint which is a cooperative game where you and all of the other players are firefighters attempting to put out a fire in a location and rescue survivors from the building before it collapses and it's very thematic and it's a lot of fun as far as co-op games go it's one of my favorites so it's definitely there's a lot of pressure there as far as the, the fire continues to build and grow and Sometimes it's just kind of really stressful, but I enjoy it quite a bit.
2: The one that comes to mind for me is Forbidden Desert, because, you know, desert and sand and that sun beating down, it really gets to <laughs> you after a while, right?
0: So again, uh, I...
2: it's, another, it's another co-op, though. So <laughs> apparently we like to uh, burn uh, together. We do.
0: So. I say I, I live I live in the desert, so I kind of feel like I'm living that board game on a daily basis just walking
2: from So, uh, so never play it. Just never walk, play it. No
0: man, walking from my car to the building where I work, like it's it's not a short jaunt because parking <laughs> at my office is very like limited and when it's 115 degrees outside, yeah, it feels like the sun's beating down for sure.
1: Wow. <laughs> Take that extra canteen of water. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, and then hot can also mean spicy hot. If you want to go in that Ooh, direction, um, taking it taking it somewhere else. Spicy. Yeah. So there's a game called Scoville, which is about growing your own peppers, um, like so the spicy food pepper type. And so you're like a farmer, and you're making different colored peppers, and you can combine different colored peppers to make more different colors. So you start with like red, blue, and yellow, and then you can combine red and blue to make a purple. Then like there's a bunch of different combinations there's a whole chart but it's kind of interesting there's a board with little pepper shapes cut out where your farmer walks around and like puts your peppers down and then you gather them and you try to get like combinations of peppers to sell so if you like spicy, theme than than (laughs) scoville (laughs) i don't actually like spicy food but
0: (laughs) maybe that would be a way to trick somebody who likes spicy food into playing a board game yeah (laughs) hey here's a game about spicy food we know you want to (laughs) play there's i mean there's some other games that i know of that would also be considered hot but um that i haven't played at least not recently like, I know there's the, the classic nostalgia fix of Fireball Island, which basically has a giant volcano in the middle of the board, but it's, I mean, it's essentially a roll and move game. So it's not really uh, up to snuff with a lot of the modern board games, but I know since a lot of modern board gamers played it as a kid, that nostalgia factor plays in pretty high. So I think a lot of people still seek that game out, like on eBay or whatnot.
1: Oh, and then another game with the giant volcano is The Downfall of Pompeii. So there's like a big volcano and lava comes out well not like actually, but like <laughs> you're Dude, simulating. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What like baking we... soda and, <laughs> and vinegar um, and
0: yeah. red food coloring. Yeah, we're we're going back to second grade science projects
1: here. <laughs> but so you're trying to like get get all of your citizens out of the city, but then make other people's citizens like get eaten by the volcano and that you actually like throw the meeples into the volcano <laughs> that's kind of fun
0: anytime we get to do horrible things to meeples that's a good day so
1: like
2: actually physically hurting
1: the meeples
0: There <laughs> you go into the volcano <laughs> <laughs> we're we're meeples sadists here at board game blitz what can we say <laughs> let's just play a giant game of rampage there you go oh man has somebody made a big version No, that would
2: be amazing.
0: (laughs) How is, I know this is, screw the theme. Why, we need to make a giant version of Rampage. (laughs) I think there's a movie about that. I need to make all of those giant meeples. (laughs) Okay, so that kind of is thematic though, because like there's dragons and I feel like when you're doing the, the thing where you put your chin on top of them and blow, that's kind of like them breathing fire. So that's hot. I think it applies. I think it's a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> you have to give it to me.
1: <laughs>
0: this week, our dive into board game etymology takes us to one of the most modern words that we'll probably ever look at in this segment, and it was suggested via email by Danica. So thank you, Danica, for your suggestion. We're going to be looking at the origins of the word shelfy. Anyone who frequents board game forums online has likely seen quite a few shelfies. That is pictures of game collections often housed on bookshelves. Shelfie combines the words shelf and selfie. It seems that we we as board gamers have kind of appropriated that word for ourselves, but it actually seems like bookworms had it first. The trend of taking pictures of collections of books started a number of years ago, the first instance of the word shelfie that I could find online officially, the word itself, was from November of 2013, uh, which is on the Open Dictionary section of the Macmillan Online Dictionary. And that fits because I believe in 2013, "selfie" was added to the Oxford English Dictionary, and it was one of their I don't know what they call it, the words of the year. So it seems like it would make sense for shelfie to kind of come about in that same time period, since that's when selfie was formally recognized. Uh, modern words like selfie and shelfie can induce some eye rolls in people, I know. But it seems like a shelfie, whether you're taking a picture of your books or your board games, it can be a really interesting way to give like-minded people a snapshot of who you are as a person or as a gamer or as a reader. It's an easy way to connect with people because if you look at someone else's shelfie and see they own a lot of the same games you do, it's an instant point of connection. And it's the same thing with books. If you see books that you love on someone else's shelf, it's an easy way to start a conversation. So as much as the word shelfie is a little bit odd and funny. I think that the concept is actually really cool, and it's an easy way for board gamers to get to know one another. And I will post a picture of my very own shelfie <laughs> on our Facebook page and in our Board Game Geek Guild, so you can analyze my personal collection. And I know Ambie is getting ready for a move, so I don't know if she has a good shelfie, but Cassidy... I can put one up. If either one of you... Yeah, like, totally. we can show off our shelfies, and we invite uh, our r- listeners, if you guys have a shelfie that you'd like to share with us, when we start that thread on Board Game Geek, please feel free to reply with your own shelfie, and maybe we'll find some common interests that we didn't know were there.
1: I'll post mine in September when I move. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>
0: We have a very exciting announcement for everyone. We are going to be having a contest. All you have to do to enter our contest is email us at boardgameblitz at gmail.com with three ideas for future themes for episodes. Basically, we're lazy and we don't (laughs) want to think of themes for, you know, all of the upcoming episodes, even though we're new. (laughs) The joke, obviously, but we thought that you guys as listeners would have some really interesting insight as to what we could discuss in future episodes. So we want to hear your theme ideas. If you want to include extra info, like what accessories or etymology or games might tie into that theme, feel free to free, feel free to throw those at us as well. But all we all you have to do is three theme ideas emailed to us. And then you need to either like our Facebook page which if you search Board Game Blitz on Facebook, you should be able to find us. There's also links on our website, boardgameblitz.com, or join our Board Game Geek Guild, which, again, links to that are in the show description on our website, et cetera, et cetera. So email us three theme ideas, and either like us on Facebook or join our Board Game Geek Guild. And, okay, so I, you want to know what you're going to win, right? Is that important? I think that's maybe slightly important. We are going to be giving away a copy of the brand new Codenames Pictures. It is going to be one of the hottest games at Gen Con, for sure. We already know. So if you're looking for a copy of that game to add to your collection, make sure you enter our contest. The contest entries are due by August 25th. That is when we will be shutting down the contest and we will announce the winner during our episode that will air on September 1st. So you've got a little bit of time to get those entries in and we are looking forward to seeing all of your ideas for future themes.
1: And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website www.boardgameblitz.com to get links to all our social media pages, including our Facebook, Twitter and Board Game Geek Guild. Have suggestions or comments about the show? Shoot us an email at boardgameblitz at gmail.com. Until next time, one blitz, two blitz, red blitz, blue blitz. Bye, everyone.
0: Bye. Bye.
2: Each year, you have three cards that you're going to draft at the beginning of the game that you get to use uh, to assist you in gaining your victory points. Or actually, you oh man, how did I forget how you win this game? Oh, so the victory points are on the the cards themselves, the ones that you're playing. And I think that's it. Seriously, how did I just forget that, guys? I've played this game a million times. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Yeah, so seasons is one of my favorite games, and I totally forgot how you score points to win the game. Um,
0: Would you? You can start over if you want. Like, <laughs> that's the no, magic of podcasting. I think it's better this way. Let's <laughs> put me in those outtakes.